0: Hi, this is Elliot Fisherman, and welcome to part two of our CT evaluation of hematuria. At the end of part one, we spoke about some of the points regarding non-contrast CT. Some of the challenges we always do mention is small tumors can easily be missed on non-contrast scans. Vascular pathologies such as aneurysms, AV fistulas, and the like can easily be missed on non-contrast CT, and so can acute pyelonephritis. It is true that at times you could suggest acute polynephritis if the kidney is enlarged or there's extensive stranding around the kidney. Those can all be helpful signs and you'll often be right. But in general, it's so easy to miss polynephritis on non-contrast CT. Here's a patient with a transplant kidney. The kidney maybe was a touch larger than a prior scan, but it's hard to say much about that transplant kidney. But, when you give IV contrast, look at the patchy areas of decreased enhancement. Very classic appearance on early phase imaging of acute nephritis. As we mentioned, you could see focal areas that are single or multiple. Here we see multiple areas. And you can see it very nicely on the coronal view as well. Changes in the cortical medullary interface decreased attenuation in the cortical region specifically, a very classic for acute polynephritis. And if you go to the late venous or early excretory phase imaging, you could see it very nicely as well. So in this case, early or late phase imaging showed the changes, and this patient was running a fever. It wasn't quite clear why, and it was very easy on the CT done properly to recognize acute polynephritis. Now, I like to show this case because this is a terrific example of what you would look at and say it looks like polynephritis. But this was a patient who was doing way too much hiking on way too hot a day. Must be somebody out west. I'm recording this in June and I know there's a really bad heat wave on the west coast and it's recommended to keep out of the national parks. If you're there, stay in the shade, don't do a lot of walking. But this is a common thing that happens. Somebody, often a younger person, does lots of hiking, doesn't drink enough fluid, and they can come to the ER with severe abdominal pain and literally be in renal failure. Because what you get is from dehydration and you could see the patchy enhancement. It's really kind of cool looking, right? Excuse me, it's really kind of cool looking. Areas of decreased attenuation, striated type nephrograms, really maybe at first glance, it's the most extensive case of polynephritis you've seen, but things come very central. And this is example of, again, relationship to the uh, changes of uh, dehydration, the tubule injury, acute uh, renal failure. This patient will be treated, uh, be hydrated. The patient should do well over time the patient did not need to get short-term dialysis, which sometimes can happen if you have really bad renal shutdown. Now in terms of infection, what else can we talk about? We're gonna talk about abscesses. Most polynephritis does not progress to abscesses, but abscesses do occur. One of the challenges with abscesses is they can look very much like a tumor at times. What you typically see is a low attenuation mass often cystic with thickened irregular walls. You commonly will see thickening of gerontous fascia, not uncommonly perinephic extension. These abscesses can be single or they can be multiple. They can be unilateral or bilateral in location. Here's a nice example in the right kidney, cystic, stranding, extension toward to the um, right psoas muscle and involvement of the right psoas muscle. Again, you could think of a cystic renal cell carcinoma. Cystic renal cells, particularly papillary, can be hypovascular. So you couldn't have totally exclude it, but with the right history of fever, this is a renal abscess. Again, the coronal views, you can see nicely the thickened wall, but again, you still would, at least in your mind, have to consider a cystic renal cell carcinoma. Here it is on the 3D mapping. And here it is on delayed phase imaging. Now renal cell can extend into the perirenal fat obviously can involve by direct extension the psoas muscle but here I think the tumor is so cystic again it could be a tumor uh, but when you start saying it's a cystic tumor then you have to make assumptions that such a well-defined lesion is going in the perirenal space and involving the psoas muscle. I think you need to look at the history the patient's febrile And yes, with renal tumors, like many tumors, you can be febrile, but I think this is a wonderful example of an abscess. Another example here, look at the patient's left kidney. Patient had flank pain. There's a mass in the left kidney. It kind of looks low attenuation, and there's something in the left adrenal, which is low density. uh, But, you know, 31 still could be almost anything. Could be a a fat-poor adenoma, but could be metastasis. Here is, with contrast, you see the cystic lesion, you see the irregularity of the margins, minimal perirenal stranding. Here it is on excretory phase imaging. This is again in the differential, you think in tumor, but this was an abscess. Now, there are unusual abscesses in the kidney. One of the most common, or at least we talk about in conference is anthogranulomatous polynephritis. Typically associated with the Staghorn calculus, typically associated with an enlarged kidney, and often the entire kidney is involved, though not necessarily. When you look at this quickly, the right kidney, you think of multiple cystic lesions, but you realize those are really dilated calyces. And what you have is both a central calcification and a peripheral calcification, but it's the calcification, usually a large calcification sitting in the renal hilum that causes obstruction. It's xanthogranulomatous pyelonephritis. Just a beautiful example, staghorn calculus and multiple dilated calyces. Often there's no renal function at all, though at times you can see some renal function either in a portion of the kidney or very much in the periphery. At the end of the day, however, this kidney has minimal function and there really is no good way of treating XGP simply with antibiotics and the patient will typically get a nephrectomy. Here it is beautifully shown on the coronals as well as on the MIP, which show you the extent of calcification. Now a few facts of XGP. It's a chronic destructive granulomatous process. It results from a typical incomplete immune response to subacute bacterial infection. It's diabetic. We always used to think it's more common in diabetics. Maybe it's more common, but only about 10% of cases are in diabetics. It's more common in women than male. And if you look at the clinical presentation, 90% have pyuria, 60% have positive cultures, and up to 20% or so will have hematuria. Typically, as I showed you in the prior case, a large staghorn calculus is most common, but not always you'll see decreased or absent renal function. The kidney is enlarged. I have seen a case or two of XGP with a small atrophic kidney, but that's uncommon. You have severe hydronephrosis with marked expansion of the calyces. And a very important thing to remember, although all renal infections can involve the perirenal space and extend to the psoas, XGP is classic to extend to the psoas and the posterior paraspinal muscles. We wrote an article oh so many years ago, I found like the Beatles song. Presenting signs and symptoms include pain, frequency, dysuria, nocturia, palpable mass, leukocytosis and fever. The duration of symptoms was relatively short considering the extent of the pathologic process. Another example, large right kidney, big staghorn calculi, and there's a staghorn in the left kidney. This is the closest I think I've gotten to bilateral XGPs. You can see, again, really impressive calcifications in both kidneys, but it's the right kidney that's particularly enlarged, and the cystic spaces are dilated calyces. Here it is with the MIP imaging, indeed very impressive. And then here with contrast, again, there's some function in the lower pole of the right kidney. The left kidney, again, you see thickening of the renal pelvis, caliceal dilatation, I get the feeling that if you leave the left kidney as it is, it will become XGP over time. The right kidney is a classic XGP, but again, it's one of those cases where there is some preserved kidney in the lower pole. Here it is very nicely on the patient's cinematic rendering, the decreased perfusion, the changes in both kidneys, and here's a few more cinematic renderings, really showing you nicely the dilated calyces, just a very, very classic case. Um, again, just a good example, XGP. So think about inflammatory disease from pylo to abscess to XGP. Another example, large right kidney, multiple dilated calices. And what's nice here, this perirenal involvement, psoas involvement, and paraspinal muscle involvement. In the old days, the way XGP was diagnosed, patients would have back pain. They would operate for this paraspinal abscess and they would follow it in and find out that the process was the kidney. These days, of course, we'll know it's the kidney, but it's a wonderful example of how XGP can extend to involve muscle. A really nice example. Here's that same patient with the coronal views. Another example here, again, large right kidney, extension to the peri and pararenal spaces, extension through the posterior abdominal wall into the paraspinal muscles. Very classic XGP, just a wonderful example of xanthogranuloma's polynephritis with a large abscess. Here's again a few more images of that case, really a nice example. You can see in this case, the patient did maintain a little bit of function in the upper pole of the left kidney, but truthfully, it'll be impossible to save the kidney because it's so much involvement of that right kidney, the little bit of function that's left is just not gonna allow a partial nephrectomy. Now I mentioned the fact that you can see small atrophic kidneys with XGP, though it's rare. If I see a case like this with a small kidney, dense calcifications, I'm thinking more of tuberculosis. You look at this very unusual pattern of the linear calcifications. It's not the calices, it's the parenchyma. In processes like TB, which are uncommon in the kidneys, but in parts of the world not that uncommon, you can get what's called a putty kidney, small calcified kidney, non-functioning. You can get strictures in the ureter. You can get changes in the bladder. Here it is with IV contrast. There is still some function, though minimal function in that left kidney. The right kidney looks fine. Here it is in the coronal view, and again, minimal function, linear calcifications, that was TB. So again, uh, we don't see TB that common, but if you see a small kidney with calcifications like this, you gotta think infection and you gotta think about tuberculosis. Now, other things that occur in the kidney in terms of infection can be emphyseminous pyelonephritis. Now, fortunately, this is uncommon. It's a life-threatening necrotizing infection of the kidneys characterized by gas formation within or surrounding the kidneys. These are the patients who have diabetes. These are older patients, often from nursing home, uh, classic E. coli or Klebsiella, or proteus infection. CT is ideal because all of the changes of emphyseminous pyelonephritis from parenchymal enlargement and destruction to the air, to fluid collections, to tissue necrosis can all be well-defined. Here's just a really nice example of emphyseminous polynephritis. Basically, you see here in the calices, but you see destruction of the left kidney due to the very, very aggressive infection. And these patients, of course, are surgical emergencies. Here's a few more images in that patient. You can see diffuse anasarca as well. And just very impressive tissue necrosis, emphyseminous polynephritis. And here's another example. Kidney is basically destroyed extension beyond the kidney into the peri and pararenal space, you can see why this is a surgical emergency. Now, one of the things that often looks like infection but is not is infarction. And renal infarction we are seeing more frequently now. It's due to many things. One is thromboembolism, typically thrombus in the left side of the heart or aorta, typically left atrial appendage. It can be due to patients with aneurysms of the aorta, renal artery, atherosclerotic changes, septic emboli from endocarditis, transcatheter embolization uh, following procedures, or dissection of the aorta or the renal artery. Now, some of the causes of infarction, nodosa, which gives you multiple small pseudoaneurysms in the kidney, lupus, drug-induced vasculitis, obviously trauma is one of the causes, but then there are other things from paraneoplastic syndromes to hypercoagulability states to acute venous occlusion. Now in terms of imaging, renal infarction can be segmental or global, it depends where the infarct indeed is. and can be an isolated process, a part of multi-system disease involvement. You can see infarcts in the spleen and the liver and the kidneys and even bowel. It, there are acute and chronic presentations and symptoms can vary from acute flank pain, where you think of stone disease or polynephritis, to hematuria. Now, in terms of the CT findings, that focal versus global is critical. IV contrast is very helpful. You want to look carefully at the vessels and look for clot in the patient's vessels. Again, unilateral versus bilateral, depending on the source of the embolic phenomena. We talk about a cortical rim sign where there's rim enhancement only, and that's seen in patients with global infarction. And if infarction is missed, um, the kidney is typically found to be a small atrophic kidney. Here's a nice example. You look at the right kidney, delayed function compared to the left. You could be thinking about pyelonephritis, but you don't have any cortical changes Really, uh, in terms of a lack of good cortical medullary differentiation. And here's the renal artery, and there's a thrombus right here. This was septic emboli with a renal infarct, nicely defined. Here it is, again, as we go back and look at the vessels. Again, a really nice example. I wanted to go back to this slide for a moment to emphasize the point. You have to look at the arteries very carefully. So here, we're looking at this case. And on this view, you can see the thrombus in the right renal artery best. Uh, Sometimes the coronal view, sometimes the MIP imaging works best, but here's simply the axial, when you very carefully work very nicely, and there it is. Or in this case, where there's uh, atrial thrombus and a renal infarct. Again, you're thinking about pylo, but you look at the left kidney, there's a minimal peripheral enhancement. This is a near global infarct. You can see the thrombus in the artery You don't see thrombus in the artery in polynephritis. There it is very nicely shown when you look at the MIP imaging. And here when you go through the chest, this patient had two things. One, the patient had an aberrant origin of the right coronary off the left cusp, but also had a thrombus. And that was the source of the patient's emboli in the patient's left atrial appendage. So if you also have a chest CT, maybe you do because they're working up an FUO, look very carefully at the heart, particularly the left atrial appendage. Another example, one of the things about renal infarcts, often the borders are sharper than pyelonephritis. I showed you pylo, and it is fairly well defined but not as sharp as you can see here for renal infarction. Often the patterns of infarct will vary because the patient may have more than one renal artery and maybe only one renal artery is involved. Here's a nice example, the main renal artery is fine but look at the branching of the renal artery as you get closer to the hilum of the kidney, look at all of these infarcts, look at all of these small vessel occlusion, very nicely shown in this example. Again, here's more MIP imaging, showing you the uh, vessels within the kidney and the areas of infarction. Here it is as you go to venous phase imaging. Here it is when you go to uh, cinematic rendering, nicely showing you the main renal artery on the right, looking good, and then the branches becoming very quickly tapered, particularly the mid and upper pole of the right kidney. And you can see the multiple areas of infarction very nicely shown in this regard. So just a really nice example. Another case, this patient has an aortic dissection, you could see, and it also involved the renal artery, there's renal artery occlusion, and there's a fairly substantial infarct in the patient's left kidney. This patient had recent aortic surgery, you don't see the left kidney, One of the complications of aortic vascular surgery, whether it's stenting, but particularly open procedures, is injury to the renal artery. It is one of the known complications. You may see segmental infarcts, that's fairly common. Global infarcts is less common, but this is a great case of a global infarct. This is about five days out. The left kidney is small and non-functioning. This patient will need a left nephrectomy. Remember I mentioned the capsule sign? That was a good example of where you see the enhancement along the edge when there's occlusion of the renal artery via collaterals. Here's another example of an infarct of the left kidney, again with a nice capsule sign. Very, very nice example. In this case, very, very classic infarction, rim enhancement and infarction of the kidney, very nicely seen. I should also mention with infarcts, Anytime you do surgery, like in this patient had a neuroblastoma resected, injury to the renal artery can occur. I mentioned that with aorta, but also surgery for the adrenal. So a nice case, unfortunately for this patient, of a global infarction of the left kidney following left adrenal resection. And that's a beautiful example of global renal infarction. Here it is on the cinematic rendering as well just a very nice example of global infarction lack of function just a really nice case now one of the other things that can cause problems of course is renal vein thrombosis but we've gone on for a while let's take a break right now and come back and discuss renal vein thrombosis see you in a few minutes